Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 307, and today we'll be talking about The Ground is Lava from Craig of the Creek. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So you know, they actually have an entire video game of The Ground is Lava now, you don't even need to imagine with your friends at the playground anymore. Kids these days need to watch the episode and be inspired by the game to play in real life. I mean, is this where we're at, though, that kids don't know and we're having to teach them these traditions? I'll, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll take it. Any medium. Um, I, this is definitely an episode that I think just somehow is universal to at least every... I don't know. This is a very, like, American kid game. I definitely grew up playing The Ground is Lava. I don't know how we all knew about it. Maybe 40 years ago, there was a cartoon that also taught every kid about The Ground is Lava. But um, yeah, I definitely remember it. But there was something really weird about this episode. We've talked about how Craig of the Creek has a an unspoken commitment, or at least as far as I know, it's unspoken. I don't think the creators have spoken to this before. That whatever the kids are doing that day, whatever pretend world they're in, we never actually cut to showing that they are playing pretend, right? It's it's a full commitment to the reality of their imagination. And this episode doesn't do that. It actually cuts away, and I found that really interesting. Yeah, they're breaking kayfabe. They're killing the business. Yeah, but so is this the first time that you've ever seen this happen in this show? <sighs> it's the first time I can recall. I mean, uh, it certainly would have cheapened, say, the boy from 3030. Had they gone this route? I did have a negative reaction when it first happened, um, which is that they're just on the playground and we see the kids writhing around on the pavement, uh, not actually burning in lava. Which, at first, I was like, well, maybe they had to do that because the censors saw the kid on the swing set (laughs) swing through the lava and come out a skeleton. And maybe, maybe just the, the, you know, the theme was too intense, right? Lava, lava is an intense thing. So, you know, maybe there's some standards and practices in there. That is that that was a possibility, because when when I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is a this is a really brutal episode. And then like right after that, they cut to the, you know, kids just sitting at like she's no, stop tickling me. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe it's not a brutal episode after all. Right. I mean, I think that very well could have played a part in it. Um, Yeah, I have my own theory. Well, so hear me out. I think that Jessica, because she, we have to establish what it means to like be not playing. I think that having the reality split in this episode sort of helps, you know, explain why Jessica is doing what she's doing. I don't think the moment where she stands on the lava would have the same effect if we (laughs) had never cut away from it. So I, I think that plays a role. That was kind of my thought, that in this episode they had to show the dichotomy between their imagination and the real world, because Jessica not playing was such an important part of the episode. Right, I do think it does something else as well, which is, whether or not it's entirely relevant specifically to this episode, at some point, showing the kids actually play acting from, you know, what would be the the regular world's perspective, kind of gives us an idea of just how committed like children are to playing pretend like that's what struck me is i just suddenly remembered you know quote playing pretend as a kid you know like four or five years old and you just legitimately follow the rules to the t and you know craig is craig is screaming and him and kelsey are like truly terrified 
to uh, you know, well, they're they're you know, Craig's motivated yeah. to quote save his sister, right? Even though in reality, like he shouldn't feel actually, you know, that much of a reason to do so, right? If they were just playing a game, and you know that the ending, right? He uh, he he leaps forward <laughs> and jumps a, a you know Olympian distance to to save his sister. All, all that commitment is, uh, I guess, made a little a little funnier. And a little more real, a little more personal by by cutting away. So definitely, definitely, um, hopefully the only time they make this choice, though, I don't I don't really want to see this become regular because also it's just you can't really do that joke more than once. Right. Like, hmm. oh, something extreme's happening. And then you cut away and it's, you know, not actually extreme. I mean, it, the joke seems to work fairly well in other cartoons. Like, did that ever get old in Rugrats? Well, I don't remember that much anymore. Is that basically what Rugrats did? See, my perspective as a kid, when I watched Rugrats, I was like, you know, maybe seven, eight, nine years old. And I was I was just frustrated with the babies. I was like, they don't get it. <laughs> they are ruining their parents' lives. <laughs> yeah, you, you should rewatch Rugrats. They, they do that a lot where the babies are having a pretend sequence, and then it'll cut back to the parents watching them. Like, out the window while they're distracted with something else, and it's like, oh, look, the kids are running around at the backyard again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's, like, the premise of Rugrats. But are, are we sure it, it didn't get old on Rugrats? I don't know. I guess, actually, Rugrats was kind of like the SpongeBob of its day. Yeah. It was just a network uh, king. I mean, that was back when Nickelodeon was still producing, like, movies, I think. Yeah. I think Rugrats got two in-theaters movies. So that's kind of crazy. Heavy hitter. Yeah. A thought that I had based on how happy he was to get out of the game. For the first time, I thought that, oh, did did JP send Bobby first because he intended to get himself out after that? Ooh, (laughs) that feels very in character with JP, doesn't it? Like, he's just ready to take a nap in the grass, (laughs) play around a bit. A dirt nap, no less. But... Then uh, then I watched it, but it was Bobby who accidentally put the shoe up, so either JP just saw an excuse and went for it, maybe he was going to fall on his butt instead, or uh, maybe he didn't plan on it after all, who knows. I don't know, it was a very, very convenient um, mistake to have been made. But I also really, really enjoyed from that, because again, it reminded me, I mean, again, the universality of Ground is Lava struck me in this episode, but then I remembered all the silly rules that we'd come up with. Like, yeah, of course, if you take off your shoes and throw them, standing on your shoes is a valid way to avoid the lava, you know? But like the way (laughs) Craig quickly explains it, and it just sounds so rational, but it's not rational. (laughs) because I did not get the impression that that sounded rational. It sounded like Craig was mocking, or at least the the writers were through Craig's voice. Oh, no, no. Mocking the fact that that loophole works. Right, no, it is. But from Craig's perspective, he's talking completely rationally, and I really enjoyed that. The same with then how they, you know, kind of broke that apart a bit when the treehouse fell and they're standing on a wooden plank, and Kelsey's like, uh, isn't this wood plank gonna catch on fire? It's very much like the SpongeBob, you know, curse you, Kelsey! Aren't we under, (laughs) aren't we under water? How could there be a fire if we're under (laughs) water? Yeah. But also, okay, we talk about the dangers of the creek. Those kids fell out of a freaking tree. This, you know, quote, five-star treehouse collapsed because of how many kids went in there. Like, these kids' antics put them in serious danger. They should have gotten hurt, but, you know, maybe the lava padded their fall. I don't know. 
Well, David, the important thing is family and friendship, honesty, values, and no one got arrested. (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Universe. No one can ignore the universe. (laughs) I think this episode was great and simple and, uh, you know, had a little bit of sibling lesson. But honestly, it was couched in enough meta humor that it wasn't quite (laughs) a feel quite like just a feel good lessony moment. You know, Craig thinks his sister doesn't understand character design, and he basically puts his relationship with his sister over his feelings about the need to stay true to, (laughs) you know, the character that you create. I think the the artists on the show were actually having a, a very interesting thing there, because, you know, when JP... And Kelsey both go to add to extra tall Paul's like, oh, hey, I'm going to add this and I'm going to add this. And they're like, oh, yeah, all we see of it is that, oh, yeah, he still looks nice. And then she goes on to add her third arm and we're like, oh, of course, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> then we zoom out as she says, but he already looks stupid or I can't remember how she phrased it. But yeah, you see that Kelsey and JP are in the process of ruining extra tall Paul. So why shouldn't she get to help ruin him? Yeah, Craig, uh, maybe he didn't have the perspective. He was stuck in the in the design room, and then when an external influence came in, he just immediately... (laughs) There's just an advocacy for simplicity in design there, I think. Absolutely. Just keep him tall. You know, you don't want to over-design a character. I I I remember that uh, Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation likes to talk about characters, especially in JRPGs, as though some concept artist started drawing him (laughs) and then never stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you gotta know when to stop. Um... I don't know if this character was overdrawn, and, but I, there was one character design that stuck out to me a lot in this episode. Can, can you guess who it was? Are you talking about the, what was it, Sherman? The, the gotta share the rations, dude? Um, I don't know if he said that we need to share the rations. It was the kid who uh, suggested the, his riddle book that that was going to keep Oh, the, the troll, yes, from the, from the episode where Craig is helping Kit get some more supplies for the trading tree. So I definitely haven't watched that episode, and without that, man, that character <laughs> sticks out. He is um, honestly terrifying, and his voice is terrifying. So mission accomplished that he's called the troll. Yeah, this is a kid who, the way he likes to play at the creek is to hide under under bridges and asking people to solve riddles, which he, he has his book full of riddles, and uh, they, they just brought him back. Everyone loves a callback. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think Craig of the Creek is a show that uh, is definitely, I think I'm experiencing it in one of the intended ways, which is to not just watch every episode sequentially. And, um, you know, it's really funny to be thrown off like this because I was like, man, that kid is just uh, the color palette, right? He just sticks out so much because he's, you know, more like a kind of grimy yellow. That's the general aesthetic between his hair and his teeth and his eyes. And I was like, is this kid, is this kid Okay. Not a lot of sunlight under bridges. No, no, very much, um, I guess he is, are they going for a jaundiced? A jaundiced look there? No, it's, he's it's way crazy. too pale for that. I, I guess. He just looks generally sickly. Yeah, generally sickly. But I think some of, some sunlight would help break up the, the scary yellow everywhere. Especially his eyes. He looks like he's on drugs. <laughs> That's what I, my initial note said. I was like, bring up drug kid. So, <laughs> You know, hopefully the kids um are not doing anything like that. You never know what you're going to find under those bridges. Ah, uh, I they really okay. So they did have you know. I always think what's going to date a cartoon, and it's always meme moments. I still appreciate the kid that dabs right before getting lavaed. 
But I can't believe that they missed the opportunity with Termon yelling amateurs because it was just a great opportunity. I couldn't (laughs) believe that he didn't just look at them and, you know, that the kids didn't go, what did you say? And then that he would go back and say, amateurs! No, but I like the whole nobody dabs anymore. <laughs> yeah, at least they at least they put into the writing that they already knew the joke was dated. That's always a, you know, advantage you can have. I don't know, some some jokes are simple enough that I feel like they stand the test of time. Like Steven having his phone in, in episode four together breakfast and he, his phone breaks. Well, Garnet breaks his phone <laughs> and he yeah. just screams my apps. That's, <laughs> you know, just saying my apps is a great... You know, it's timely smartphones, but it, it's a joke that just keeps keeps going. I think it's simple enough. Dabbing, though, you know, if someone's watching this cartoon in 20 years, will they immediately laugh the same way I did? Probably not. But it, maybe they'll yeah. be in on the joke once the, once some other kid calls them out on it. So that's that's a smart enough thing to do. Talking about phone-related jokes, I like in OKKO, I will always like the him ducks into the payphone booth which is labeled as a changing room and ko's like what's this as he looks up the phone and (laughs) pulls out his smartphone to make some phone calls yeah that's perfect and like that will that joke will only get funnier over time as payphones recede further and further into memory yeah i mean i only walk past abandoned well it's even crazy that there are any abandoned ones still where i live downtown but uh there are some still there just kind of ripped apart looking though i don't think you can actually put any coins in them some of them are labeled like 10 cents though it's just crazy wow dimes carrying around dimes like mr krabs and putting them in <laughs> well he wouldn't be putting them in he would have a drawstring he would be fishing them out. out yeah <laughs> but how many more cartoons can we get in here we've only i think we've only referenced six external cartoons so far but if we keep going it might be a record for a podcast episode oh here here i have a movie and a video game to to add to this because i like all right all right when jp was going down into the lava he did the thumbs up like the terminator from terminator and uh, much oh, more recently you're right you're as right. doom guy from doom 2016 i that is a terminator reference i was wondering why they lingered on it so much so i am wondering how many people are going to watch this and think that it's a reference to doom and not to terminator <sighs> You know, that always happens, though, in popular media, right? Like, I thought that All Star was a song because it was in Shrek when I was a kid, right? Like, I just thought that that song was written for Shrek. I, and it's just, that's the only association I have. Of course, I think that's what everyone my age think. Like, if they hear All Star, they just think Shrek. And that just happens to some things. And there's definitely references, too, that happen in media like mm-hmm. this, where you're just going to think it was because of Doom and not because of, you know, a reference that it that was actually referencing. Oh, well. Yeah, you know, these things happen. Um, yeah, I have a complete random aside that I don't think's worth saying about chalk, but, um, you know, they did draw with chalk at the beginning. Don't put this in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have it. I was chalk like, zone. there's time. Yeah, we can talk about the chalk because chalk zone. They should do. <laughs> oh, man. With the, like. Oh. Why didn't they do a chalk zone reference? Here's the thing, Craig of the Creek, a show like Craig of the Creek has the opportunity to do a crossover anytime, as long as it's in the realm of imagination, you know, and Craig already clearly watches shows like Little Butler on his TV, and there's some kind of shared television universe between Craig of the Creek and Steven Universe and such, but, uh, you know, he could be watching Chalk Zone, and they could have a Chalk Zone episode to resurrect any of these, you know, properties. That could be a thing. 
Right now, if we're if we're talking about crossing over, I think it'd be easier to cross over with Cartoon Network properties. And just the th- a thought I just got into my head, now it won't leave, is that if we can't get Galactic Kids Next Door, then I think Craig and his friends should start a Galactic Kids Next Door game at the creek so that they can make their own sequel series in one episode. That is definitely the closest Cartoon Network property that actually, that's the first pitch I've heard for a crossover that actually makes makes a lot of sense. I think the only thing thematically clashing about them is that the kids next door are so much more uh they come from such a different world. <laughs> like But they love treehouses. You respect your parents and like adults in Craig of the Creek. Yeah, they do like treehouses, yeah. but they're so much meaner. <laughs> they're so much more <laughs> critical of the the adults in their world. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, they have ample teen ninjas running around. Oh, that would be fun seeing the witches. They get to trounce some people with some evil teen ninja magic just because, oh, I'm supposed to be a villain? Okay, I can do that. <laughs> Speaking of, con- uh, thinking of some continuity here, I uh, there were only two elders ever yeah. present oh, in this episode. Yes. Poor and, David. Um, you know, I don't know, actually, if the- David made it, so I- I'm waiting, I guess, to find out. <laughs> get ripped. He was such a young elder. Yes, he was so young. And on that somber note, we must end the episode. (laughs) Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Uh, Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Or give us a like on YouTube, where we've now been for a whole year, which is crazy. And I feel super old and gross. And um, I think I'm going to go take a shower now. Thanks, everybody. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.